Hi everyone, my name is Anika Aftab and welcome to The Only in the Room, the podcast where we explore stories of some incredible humans that have felt like an only in a room full of people. Despite all of that, they decided to transform their experiences and leave a greater impact on the world. Remember, the only is not just a feeling, it's a movement. On today's episode, we talk to Ruby. Ruby is a resilient and inspiring first-generation immigrant. She has overcome feelings of isolation and embraced her unique background. While Ruby may feel hesitant about sharing her accomplishments, her passion for storytelling and photography drives her to pursue her dreams. She encourages others to have faith and believe that they will meet incredible people who will help them grow just like she's experienced in her own life. So before we get started, I'm going to have you tell me what your name is, spell it out. So you can only say your first or your last, depending on how much you want to share. Don't do as much you feel comfortable. Um, So your first name, and then why were you given this name? All right. So my name is Ruby Bolton. Um, My name has a lot of significance for me. So I was adopted. Um, when I was 22 months old. And so my parents, um, they're Caucasian. They were in the Peace Corps in Tanzania, where I'm from. And they decided to name me Ruby after Ruby Bridges, who was the first African-American girl to go to an all-white school. And so that is just such a special name for me to be named after her and just being able to look up to her. And then my middle name is actually Amani, which is my native language, Swahili for peace. Oh. I, I absolutely love that. I have goosebumps right now just listening to you. Um, that's amazing. And do you mind spelling out your name for us? Oh, sure. So it's R-U-B-Y, like the stone. Mm-hmm. And then Amani is A-M-A-N-I and then Bolton, B-O-L-T-O-N. Perfect. Amazing. Um, I do want to have a place and emphasis on like spelling out, having a transcription available. Um, so that's why I, I ask, but I appreciate you. So tell me now, that's an interesting, you were adopted. Tell me more, like, where do you, where do you consider, so where are you from? And then where do you consider home to be for you? From is definitely, it's been a journey kind of figuring out who I am and where I'm from, because I feel like, I feel like word, weird is not the right word to describe it, but I was born in rural Africa, and so like from the outside, I'm totally African, but then I have a Utah accent because my high school years are spent in Utah, and then I love surfing and just kind of being a beach bum in Hawaii, so it's all this combination. Um, so I'm definitely from Tanzania, but my home is Hawaii. I love it. That's <laughs> the Utah accent with the surfer um, <laughs> attitude, and I love it. I just, I love all of that. Do you speak, uh, is it, did you say Swahili is, or no? What's Swahili. Is? Do you speak Swahili? I don't. I've tried to learn when I, so when I was a baby and I came to the United States, I refused to speak Swahili because I spoke Sw- both Swahili and English, but nobody else spoke Swahili and I wanted to fit into the new country. And so I stopped speaking it. So I lost the language, but which is really sad, but I definitely want to go back and learn it. Yeah, I really hope that you have the opportunity in the future to um, to learn it, you know, because I'm sure, uh, so English is not my first language, but I was born in Bangladesh. 
And I've learned that there are different ways to emphasize certain emotions that you can't find in the English language and you can in other languages. So I'm sure um, I can just picture it like in the future, you'll find like words that are Swahili or is it Swahilian? Swahili. Swahili. (laughs) In Swahili um, that kind of represent emotions that you might not necessarily have the words for it in English, um, or at least I'm an optimist. So let's just, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. Um, <laughs> but that's so, so true said, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you said that, um, you were adopted at 22 months, right? So what mm-hmm. was your childhood like growing up in Utah? So I actually, so I was in Orem for a little bit and then we moved to Hawaii when I was three and then we moved to Oregon for two years when I was eight, and then we moved to St. George, Utah, and then back to Hawaii when I was 16. So I've moved around a lot, but I've also had so many opportunities to make friends with people from all over. And like, sometimes I'm a little bit sad that I don't have that one childhood house, but I wouldn't trade it at all because it's taught me how to really communicate with people and connect with people. And it's always an adventure seeing somewhere new. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So did you grow up with siblings? Did you? Yeah, so I have a brother. Um, So we're all kind of like perfectly four years apart. So I have a brother and a sister and we have so much fun together. Part of it, so I'm the only one that's adopted. um, But I think since I was adopted first before my parents had kids, it was natural for my siblings. Like we are just, we all get along so well. And it's such a perfect fit. Um, We always have, you know, arguments and goofing off, but it's such a homey feeling and we love each other so much. And we've also been through a lot of transition together as siblings. Yeah, that's amazing. And so is the, you're 19, yes? Yes. So how old is the youngest? Is, are they eight? The youngest is 10. 10? Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) So so it's a gap, but we're best friends. Me and my sister are best friends, even though we're eight and a half years apart. That's amazing. And being the oldest child, did you feel like you had to take lead? Did you have set a good example? Definitely. Um, so our parents got divorced when I was 16. Um, so definitely that transition of going from being like the older sister to also helping my mom out um, when we moved to Hawaii. So I definitely took the lead, but then also my brother is also really responsible. And so we, we're all in it together and we all have different strengths. Like I'm really compassionate and I'm a good leader, but sometimes my brother catches things that I miss. And so if we were flying to visit our dad, like all of us together navigating the airport was such a good team. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that you have that relationship with your siblings. Um, my sister is 10 years apart from me and I, I, sometimes I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know how to relate, but there are definitely ways to, to like, you know, communicate and like continue to form those bonds. Um, and are you, so do they all live in Hawaii? Um, yes. So we all live, um, in Hawaii right now. And then my dad's in Utah. Not yet. So I guess coming back to the questions, um, one of the questions I had for you was what are the three songs that resonate with you most? And then tell me why those three in particular. Okay, so it took me last night, I was very contemplative of what songs really hit home for me because music is huge for me. 
I it's helped me with so many of my mental health struggles and if you're just having a, a down day it's so nice to listen to good music um, but the three that I chose were Fight Song by Rachel Platten um, so Fight Song really resonated with me because when I was 11 I started having really bad depression and that led to suicidal thoughts and so I was just in a very dark place and everything felt hopeless and bite song was just the line in that song that's take back my life song is just taking back my life from the depression and the hopelessness and deciding to live and yeah it's just such a powerful song um and then the second song is called build a boat by colton dixon and my mom and i the other night were talking about how the pattern of my life has been so many trials leading up to a great blessing things taking forever um when i was trying to get into college just one roadblock after the next and so this song talks about even in the desert i'm still gonna build that boat with faith it's talking about noah and even though I don't see the rain coming or I don't see what Heavenly Father is preparing me for, I'm still going to take those acts of faith. Um, so that's just such a powerful song for me. And then the third one is Carry Me Through. Mm -hmm. uh, Carry You Through by Bella Camp. And she's actually Jeremy Camp's daughter. And it's just talking about how in those dark moments, Heavenly Father is there carrying you and he is preparing you to be the person that he sees you to be. I love that. And and so for our speakers who don't know um, religiously, can you tell me a little bit about, like you mentioned Heavenly Father a few times, can you tell me what your religion is and then um, just, yeah, tell me, tell me, start with that. <laughs> okay, so yes, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I practically grew up in the church just because I was adopted when I was two, so it's been something I've grown up with. I am very stalwart in my faith, at, but my family has also approached things a little differently because we've always listened to like, Christian music and worship music long before it was popular. And so just that perspective I love. I feel like lots of different churches have truth. And so I love getting that added truth from other religions, other musicians that are just sharing their light with the world. Mm -hmm. And can I just say, I love how much you lit up just even talking about um, this little, like the last 30 seconds, you just completely lit up. And I, I absolutely adore that. Um, and I, I know with the church, it's very important. Music is very important, hymns and like singing. And so um, I'm sure having that emotional connection to music has been longstanding and so I appreciate the three songs. I haven't heard the last two, so I will definitely check them out afterwards and hopefully maybe even link it to the end of the, the podcast just to play um, snippets of it. So thank you. Thank you for sharing those three. Um, I absolutely love that. And so can you tell me a little bit more? Um, you mentioned a few of your struggles, but I am curious to learn, hear more about positive experiences, like defining experiences throughout your life. Um, you can name one, you can name a few, um, and then after you've named them, I would love to know what your thoughts are looking back at, at them. Okay. I think my top three most defining experiences in my life were doing martial arts, participating in 4-H leadership while I was in Utah, and going to Brigham Young University, Hawaii. Nice. 
And what was the second? It was participation. Um, 4-H. 4-H. Okay. I'm not too familiar with each of those. So Marshall, tell me, tell me about martial arts. How long have you done martial arts? So for martial arts, I only did it for four years. So I did it from 10 to 14, I believe. Mm -hmm. And before then, I just felt very vulnerable and scared. I have a lot of trauma that I experienced as a baby with abandonment that I don't remember, like mentally, like you don't really remember being a baby, but my body definitely does. So like if I'm playing catch with someone, even if we're friends and I trust them, I flinch and like turn away from the ball and different things like that. And it was really a struggle and getting into martial arts and learning how to spar and fight in a safe and positive and encouraging environment really helped me to feel safer and more confident and able to really bring down that flinch reaction. So that really helped me. And so first and foremost, have you read the book, The Body Keeps Score? I have not, but I've heard about it and that theory. You have to read it. It's it's actually pretty funny. The last couple interviews that I've had, this book has come up on each of them and every single person has been able to pull up their copy and say, listen, here it is. So I think that this book, so first and foremost, thank you for sharing. Um, and I, I personally resonate with a lot of what you just shared myself. I, I grew up with, you know, significant like trauma myself and some of it I remember others. And just like the book talks about, it's not, you don't remember it as a story. You remember either like flashes or you remember the feelings, parts of your body start tensing up and you're you're not sure there's no memories associated with it, or you hear a sound and it reminds you of it. And that's, that's normal. And that's something that I never knew was normal. And that's always stressed me out because I just didn't understand. Um, so I would highly, highly recommend that book. Um, and my, my question is, and you don't have to share, we can, you know, cut this out too, but, um, when did you, what was the moment you realized that you had this longstanding like you had these experiences. I, you don't have to tell me what those experiences were at all, but when did you know that you had them and how did you know that they did happen? Because that's a question I'm trying to answer for myself and I'm curious to know your thoughts. For me, it wasn't a defining moment, which is weird. So it was little things that my parents noticed. Like I really struggled to be with men. Like I could be with my dad and me and my dad, like I was just all over him, snuggly and happy and... Uh, I could even go into my adoption story a little bit later, but it wasn't a defining moment, just little things like being sheepish around men or flinching if a door closed near me or if like a, something was tossed. Because, you know, like you toss something to someone and expect them to catch it. Not liking physical touch. Um, that's something I'm still working on is like hugs. I'm not a big hugger. I love people, but I'm not a big hugger. <laughs> and so just a combination of those things and the way I reacted to things that was a little bit odd for someone to react to is just, yeah. that's what we started to notice. And then it was interesting though, that facing that fear, because when I was sparring, you know, sometimes you get punched in the face. Like even if you have yeah. all the gear and everything, it happens, but being able to overcome that fear by facing it. Yeah. Wow. I, that is amazing. And I, I just have to say, I'm, I'm so, I'm happy that you had your parents as a support um, where you can have those conversations or they were, they knew you well enough to recognize certain, you know, 
difference in behavior and not saying like, don't do this anymore. <laughs> it's more like, what is happening here? Let's talk about it or let's figure it out. Um, would you agree that's kind of how supportive it's been? I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I oh, just totally. To, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that is, that's absolutely amazing. And I'm, I'm so sorry that you had to experience anything. I think everyone, everyone has been through trials, but, um, in particular, the ones that we, that we lose self, like self sense of control or mm -hmm. things we don't necessarily remember are the ones that are the hardest because there's no clear path on getting out. Um, and exactly. that's something that I personally am working through with my therapist. I also did martial arts for like most of my life, about 10 years. Um, and so I, I very much, I love the idea. And a lot of what my book talks about is having these bad experiences, but then taking that energy, because that energy is going to stay with you, right? But taking that energy and doing something more with it, whether it be funneling it into martial arts. I, I, I box, so um, I'm boxing daily nowadays and um, taking that and put, doing something more with it. Um, I know you've done a lot of like photography work and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm excited to get more into that and whatnot. Uh, but that's, that's essentially the epitome of what I'm writing about, so... That's so powerful. And I feel like something that you might relate to is that if we don't have these people supporting us and seeing these things, we experience it and we think it's normal. But having that outside perspective and being like, oh, that's not a normal way to react or this is something you can overcome is really helpful because for us, it's normal. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I am curious, um, I'm switching around questions a little bit, but have, has this journey for you to, to heal or to kind of like take control of your life, reclaim yourself, has that made you feel alone in a room full of people? Oh, that's really deep. I feel like in some ways, yes, and in others, no. Because like in this room, we're not even in the same physical space, but I don't feel alone at all. I feel like I'm just talking to a friend and it's so relatable and so deep, even though you and I haven't even hang out hung out that much but when you do this kind of work in my family we call it recovery work when we do this kind of work it puts you on a deeper level sometimes than others and so it's hard to relate so I definitely struggle to relate more with people my age less so when I went to college but I just get along better with people a lot older than me mm -hmm. uh, absolutely I I completely and I when I first met you which we've only met once so I love that we can have these conversations and I'm so thankful that you're willing to be open with me. Um, but when we first met, I thought you were at least my age and I was, I was 25. Right. And so I was like, Oh my goodness. And when you said you were 19, I'm like, absolutely no way. <laughs> there is absolutely no way. Um, and so I just think that that's a, just, I just think that the way that you articulate yourself, the way that you are aware of your emotions and your thoughts, um, to the degree that you are, I think it's just absolutely beyond your years. And I think you knew that, but um, I just want to say that it's it's incredible. And um, unfortunately, it's always the people that have been through those experiences that do tend to mature faster because we don't have a choice, right? We're going exactly. through experiences that others don't understand. And so we have to kind of fend for ourselves. And, um, but I, I'm, I'm grateful that you have that con a connection with others, right? And as well as mm -hmm. like, support from like family and others to, to kind of help you in that journey of yours. Um, so that's, that's just amazing. And, and so the next question was, 
what has been the most negative or negative experiences that you've experienced? Um, and then what are your thoughts looking back at it now? The first thing that came to mind was when my parents got divorced. So in 2019, um, they decided to get divorced and we moved to Hawaii. And then uh, it went through in 2020, like January. And that was a really hard time. And so many things, it was one of those things where you feel like you're doing what Heavenly Father is asking you to do. Like you're moving and like you're doing all these things, but everything was going wrong. And I started to get angry and like Heavenly Father, like I don't want to do this anymore. Like you're not, not that I didn't, it wasn't anything suicidal like before, but more like I want to do my own thing now because I feel like my plan is better and it's going to go better than the direction it was going. And I don't know how I, there wasn't a defining moment of pulling out of that, but just keeping going and then seeing the blessings come and little tender mercies. Like we went back to move out of our house in Utah in February of 2020. And the day after we landed in Utah, everything shut down. And so for the pandemic, so it was like perfect timing. Yeah. To get back. It's just and those little, it's those little, little things. Uh, not coincidences, tender mercies, I think is the perfect word that you use, but that's, that's amazing. Wow. Um, so it was hard. I, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry you had to experience it all together. I know COVID in general was just very difficult for so many people. Um, and I know my mental health just plummeted and everything that I'd experienced, I was forced to go back home, which I didn't, I never have felt home to be my home with my family mm -hmm. at least. And so, um, yeah, no, I can't even imagine like how it was and how was Utah? Like it was it everything shut down. Was it just kind of more? Not really. No, <laughs> it was pretty open. We didn't have church, but it wasn't too shut down. Like schools closed, but we still played outside. But we came back to Hawaii and like you couldn't hike. You couldn't go to the beach. You couldn't do anything. And so it was just rough. And we had just moved back and I was 16 and didn't really hang out with anybody. Yeah. So but it just things started to look up and as we started to get involved more with church and everything just keeping going on that path even when you don't see anything in front of you can really make the biggest difference even though sometimes it takes time and you don't feel better immediately absolutely but it's the, the notion of just keeping going right um, yeah and that's all we can really do because we don't have a choice <laughs> like it's either that or um not and i i would very much i'm happy we both have chosen to keep moving forward me too and so i mean i kind of have asked this question before but can you tell me when you felt most alone in a room full of people i feel like i have to overcome that every time i'm with new people or doing something that 19 year olds don't normally do or because I've done a lot with my life and I am different and I don't like I'm okay being an observer and so sometimes I'm not as talkative in a group full of people and I'm also African-American and so that makes me stand out in and of itself and so just finding the people that I can talk to and sometimes it's really lonely when you walk into a new place or you are with people you don't know as well, it's really hard to connect. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, honestly, the the journey with my this this entire project that I'm working on is because, you know, as a female, as a person of color, as an immigrant, first generation, you know, all those boxes, I've always felt like as soon as I entered a room, I'd look around and I would sigh, you know, just internally. It's like, oh, nope, no one else like me. Or if I did meet people similar, they were, it's still a bit different. And it felt almost isolating, but no one under, no one saw it because I'm an extrovert. So funny enough, you, like you're more of that observant side, which I do like to listen and like ask questions, but I am, I will walk into a room and I will tell everyone my name. I will see what their stories are. And um, maybe I was meant for this lifestyle. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I, I think that it, it's so interesting because I think that we relate in that, like that universal level of like that feeling, but we just, we are different, right? We come from different backgrounds. We are like very different people in certain ways. And so I just, I do like the fact that we have that, still that sense of connection or on that wavelength to a degree, which I just, I, I haven't been able to pinpoint what it is, but it's just, it's amazing that it exists altogether. It is. And I don't know if you relate to this at all, but sometimes I feel like I have lessened myself to fit into that room full of people. So like, I won't say anything about having my photography business because it's like, I don't, it's not something that I try to brag about, but it's a part of me and I love what I do because it's my job, you know? but I won't say anything about it. Or when people ask about where I'm from, I don't really, like I've started, I've gotten better at saying that I was born in Africa because I realized that's not something you're bragging about. That's not something you're doing to stand out. That's just who you are. And so I don't know if you've related to kind of lessening yourself so that you can fit in. 110%. I can tell you right now, most people don't even know that I'm writing a book or this podcast <laughs> because I just, I feel like I'm bragging and I don't, and then people are like, wow, you're so, you're doing so many great things for your age. And I'm like, I don't, I think I'm doing, not my age. I just think that this is the time for me to do it. Or like same with your photography. It's like you, you realize you love something or you're good at something and then you just started doing it. Right. There was no, I, I'm sure there was like little, little bits of hesitation, little bits of doubt of like, should I be doing this? But then at the end of the day, we decided to go for it. And I, totally. I don't, and I just, I never know how to explain how that distinction of like, but, but it's there. Why would you not take the opportunity? It's just, it's going to make me happy and I want to be happy. So why not? <laughs> and, and, and so I completely agree where I have very much started minimizing myself and then now I'm hitting this like this age of 25 where, and I will tell you it gets better, <laughs> the whole notion of like minimizing because now I'm, I'm getting to an age where because I've been hanging out, like spending more time with older individuals, I've been going to a lot more conferences. I've been going to places where like-minded individuals are around me. And now my, a lot of my core friends are also writing books or have their podcast series or they have a company that they're running that is focused on like a service or a product that's going to help humanity, which I resonate with so deeply. And I, I, it's just the more I put it out in the universe or I, I pray for it or I, I ask more for it, I've been noticing a lot more of those people are willing to open up, willing to surround themselves with me because they just, they understand that 
and I, I feel like I don't have to, I don't feel like I'm bragging anymore when I talk to them. I'm, I get excited and then they get excited and then we all get excited. <laughs> and, um, and that's not something I ever experienced in my, most of my college, most of my um, high school, to be fair, I almost flunked out of college, by the way, that's another story to have. Um, <laughs> but I, I never experienced a lot of that um, in growing up, you know, and so I'm, I'm hoping for you as you take the next step for, you know, hopefully serving a mission and uh, what you, the blessings that will come after the fact, after you come back. And I, I really, I, ha I have faith that you're going to really just meet incredible people like yourself that are going to just help you grow more. And then you're going to help be able to help them. I'm so excited. And I feel like with what you said, the people that you interact with, it makes such a difference. And at BYU Hawaii, they have a really cool entrepreneurship program. And I competed in both of the competitions during that school year. And it was so cool to be around people that were had as big of ideas as I did and wanted to try new things. And like, if we fail, we fail, but we had so much fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the tagline should be never minimize yourself <laughs> for anyone else. Totally. Totally take control of and be proud of yourself, right? Surrounding ourselves with people that, you know, resonate with us, our journey. And I was curious to hear a little bit more about your journey being adopted. Sure. So briefly, like the adoption story. So I was in a baby home called Cradle of Love in Arusha and I was about to age out because um, two was the oldest and really? my parents, well, my now parents came in and they were just playing with the babies, looking for someone to adopt. And my dad was overwhelmed. And so he sat down on the floor and I, and like, take this, I'm not, I don't really like men. Um, the husband and wife that ran the baby home, I was totally comfortable with them. But other than that, not really. And I just crawled up onto my dad's lap and laid my head on his chest. And yeah, <laughs> so it was, it was really special. And I don't remember this. This is just. Right. You were yeah. two years old. Yeah, I was two. Yeah, I don't think memories start forming until I think like three or solidifying until then. Um, but those experiences, obviously, that connection was there. Um, and I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, they're. There was some, we, we have all known each other in a life before this. And I know with the Definitely. church, it's the pre-mortal life, right? And that notion of, I, I, I'm a firm believer that you probably had a sort of a deep connection with your, your father. Um, and do, do you, do you go, like, do you call your dad, your dad? Like, mm -hmm. or do you? Oh yeah. Like my parents yeah. are mom and dad. Easy. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. And um, it is a t like, I think it's a testament that it's not always blood that makes family. It's, it's those connections. Totally. And sometimes it's more than that, right? The fact that as a two-year-old baby, you crawled into your, your father's like lap as if that, like that was your father, right? That, that was who you felt most connected to. And so, and I just think that that's, that's just, that's proof enough for me. <laughs> um, it totally that, is. We joke that I made a detour to Tanzania and then came to the family just because like I fit in so well and there's just things that it's just home and I definitely like that doesn't change the fact that I'd love to know more about my birth family for sure and have like if I ever did meet them I would love them and welcome them in as much as 
I have my family now, but I also don't worry about it because I'm so loved and I love my family so much. I think that that's absolutely beautiful. And I'm, I'm just happy that, and it's a beautiful story too. I just, I love that so much. And, um, it's amazing that, and, and so my, I, I, I just remembered my question. So my question was, do you know anything about your birth family? Have you had the opportunity maybe through the, the, the location you were when you were adopted? Uh, no, I don't, we don't have anything. I would love to take the ancestry DNA tests and do like a project there but i don't know if i would really find anything because i wasn't a recorded person um so yeah it's pretty rural like we really don't really know what happened but i feel at peace and i did do the ancestor dna test so i'm as pretty much like 100 percent african (laughs) which is funny because when i talk you would never ever guess that but it was cool to do the dna test and i know that everything will be figured out in heaven. And if I learn more before then, great. That is, that's amazing. It's funny enough. I just purchased the 23andMe test yesterday. So I'm so excited to see. So here's the thing. I do not look like I'm from Bangladesh. Like this is not Bengali hair. My skin color is a little bit lighter than normal. Um, and I learned that both my parents weren't born in Bangladesh either, which was a shock to me because my whole life I was like, yeah, we're Bengali. They just weren't born in that country. We do identify. I was born there. I was the only one. And um, I just think it's so amazing because I'm like, where, what? We need to know. I wonder if I have more of like the Middle Eastern roots and whatnot, Northern roots, maybe. We'll see. So I'm, I'm pretty That's excited. So cool. um, super duper excited um, because it's so interesting because your ancestry is is your lineage, right? There had to been had to had these choices been made for you to be present for generations back, and which is I feel like I I'm humbled every day. I'm like I feel so blessed to know that like I I'm here because of all of these puzzle pieces that had to have connected exactly when they did for me to be where I am today. And I just, it's just, I think it's amazing. So um, I'm always a pro for figuring out more about your ancestry and like um, realizing that. But, and you've been, have you been to Tanzania since you were born? Not yet. I would love to go. So it's on my list of things to save up for to go. I love it. Let me know when I'm going to go hike Kilimanjaro with you. (laughs) Yes, let's do it. (laughs) I love it. So I want to hear a little bit more about your photography business. So when did it start? What are you doing now? How can we help you as listeners? Um, And then what the at is, if you have any social media. So when did it start? We'll start with that. It started with my best friend. (laughs) Um, She loved doing photo shoots. And so we would just give off doing photo shoots. And I had this DSLR that my mom bought in 2001. And we were just playing around with it. And she said that I was really good at it, but I was like, man, like, it's okay. And then I started really getting more into it and just trying to take more artsy pictures with my phone at the beginning of 2020. And then the pandemic hit and I was bored. And so I started practicing more and my dad gave me a camera for graduation and that kind of just took off. And I started my business when I was 17 
and it's been it has its ups and downs and it's been an adventure and i right now i'm specializing in couples and doing a few commercial photo shoots on the side so it's fun i love it and what is what is your social media how can we follow you so my social media my instagram is at ruby amani so it's r-u-b-y y a-m-a-n-i-i and then it's ruby amani photography is the business name ruby amani and is it the ruby with two eyes and and then amani with two eyes and then photography or just your name ruby amani photography just my name ruby amani photography amazing Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to call you up when, if, and when I get married, <laughs> I'll be there. Um, I I've seen your photos and they are just absolutely magical. Like I think that you're able to very uniquely capture the beauty and the love that come along with, you know, that tying the knot or that journey of like that connection with someone else. And so definitely check out her page. Definitely give her a follow. And, um, call her up when you're when you're ready <laughs> especially since you're in Hawaii and that's where that's the most one of the most beautiful places so perfect opportunity and for you <laughs> nature totally inspires all of my photography work I have I have not taken any indoor studio photos yeah. because I feel like there's just something special about nature and my when I'm doing a photo shoot I have prompts ready um because some it's really vulnerable to be in front of the camera because you're letting parts of yourself show like your personality be captured by someone that you may not know very well and so being outside and just goofing off with your family or dancing with your spouse on the beach is just such a relaxed environment and so i just love capturing people in nature and people relaxed with the people they love I love that. And the next question was, what inspires you? Nature, but not just being outside. It's the intricacies of, it's a wonder, like seeing flowers and they're so delicate and colorful and bright or swimming in the ocean. I was at Waimea a few times this summer and I had never really seen dolphins at Waimea before, but there were so many dolphins. And me and my siblings, we went underwater and we could hear them whis whistling to each other. And it was the most magical, surreal feeling. Like you're so small in this world and yet it's so comfortable and beautiful. And it was amazing. Yeah. Wow. I love that. And oh, the nature here is just unbeatable. Absolutely. So Definitely. beautiful to be. I'm so, I feel, feel so blessed to be in Hawaii. Um, that's amazing. And um, so Switching gears just a little bit, I know we're coming up on time. Um, what so? What advice would you have for someone who wants to feel like less lonely in a room full of people? It's a little bit harsh, but stop thinking about your loneliness and look and see how you can help somebody else feel special. Because what I found is that we all think that we're so awkward and lonely, but really we're all thinking the same thing. And so nobody's talking to each other about it. But once you just start talking, like um, my first week, it was orientation week at BYU Hawaii. And I was nervous and felt awkward, but I was determined, like, I'm going to just talk to people. I'm going to be open and talk to people. And I made so many friends in that first week, just because I was willing to take that scary step and talk to people and help them feel seen. 
And when you start to look and help people feel seen, you start building real connections. And even if you don't hang out with those people all the time, you're less lonely. I absolutely love that. And I, I read something recently. It was like, you overthinking that you're, like everyone's thinking about you is you thinking about yourself. <laughs> and so that, that I was like, um, yes, I feel super attacked right now <laughs> because you're right. I am overthinking about myself, thinking that everyone's thinking about me, but I'm just thinking about me. And that's what everyone else is doing. They're just thinking about themselves. No one is watching you. No one is, no one is really judging you because they're more, more so hypercritical of themselves. And so get out of your head, go do something, go make friends, have that connection. A hundred percent. I agree with you. Um, and what advice would you give to young Ruby? It's okay to fail. I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself and I've always been, I've always achieved. And sometimes the problem with achieving and pushing yourself hard is that other people see that and they compliment you. And sometimes those compliments become an even higher expectation that you hold yourself to. And so being, if it's okay to fail, you try more things and you are less hard on yourself. So I would definitely tell myself that it's okay to mess up. I love it. And, and you know, fail faster, right? Like, the more you fail, um, some one of my friends said it to me, it was like, the more no's you get, the closer you are to your next yes. And I love that. It's like, yes, keep failing because one of these days you're actually not going to fail. And that's that's the best feeling, but you have to work to get there. And, um, and I, I know personally, I'm so afraid of rejection too. So it is difficult mm -hmm. at times, easier said than done, but the more you do it, the easier it does get, like, and the more exciting it gets when you do get closer and closer to, you know, doing things that you absolutely adore. Um, exactly. And so, okay, so this is a fun question. I love this question. What, if you were a breakfast food, what breakfast food are you choosing based on your personality and why? Hmm. I think I would either be crepes with like strawberries and chocolate sauce and whipped cream. <laughs> or French toast with the same toppings. I just like sweet and happy and something to start your morning on a good note. Mm -hmm. um, I should have eaten before this because I am instantly starving right now because crepes <laughs> and um, crepes are my favorite. I love, 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 love crepes, but French toast just has a very special place in my heart. So love both <laughs> of those. Um, I, I absolutely love that. And um I think that, so the last couple questions, I, I am curious, what would you consider your, your superpower to be? I think connecting with people, which is interesting because one of my insecurities is being awkward, but I feel like I'm able to connect with people that sometimes others see are harder to connect with. Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, we had only met once and instantly I was like, I can't wait to stay in touch with Ruby. She, you definitely carry this light about you, this confidence about you, and it, it makes people feel comfortable too. So um, I, I very yeah. much appreciate you and for everything you've done. Thank you once again for agreeing. I know I just reached out to you yesterday, so I'm very grateful we got this in the books. Um, is there anything else you wanna say, whether it be to anyone listening, anyone just tuning in? I think the biggest thing that I would want to say is that if you're struggling with depression or suicide, that 
there is something like your life is worth living and even though it's hard in that moment once you get past that moment you'll be so grateful that you chose to live because there are so many people that you needed to meet so many people you needed to learn from things you needed to experience and there's just so much life to live and it's hard in that moment but choosing to stay is the best choice 110 percent. that was very beautifully put and so thank you so much ruby thank you so much for joining me this has been absolutely incredible and i'm just really grateful to have you in my life very much so and i'm excited for you in the next few weeks depending on what news you get <laughs> hopefully um, and i've loved talking to you this did not feel like an hour. I feel like this was super fast. I had so much fun. I love it. I absolutely adore it. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of The Only in the Room. If you like what you listen to, give us a follow on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. The handle is at T-H-E-O-N-L-Y-I-N-T-H-E-R-O-O-M. If you want to connect with Ruby, you can find her on Instagram at R-U-B-Y-Y-A-M-A-N-I-I. I hope you have a wonderful day and we hope to see you on our next episode.